1 through 12, is on page 297 of the Pew Bible. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. We are continuing today in our series um, in Proverbs, Everyday Wisdom. We're in chapter three, as you just heard. Uh, So we're gonna dive in, but let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for our time together. Uh, Thank you uh, that it's raining outside. Uh, We we need it, Uh, we're grateful. Uh, But also thank you that you speak to us here in this moment, and so we want to hear from you. Uh, We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, last week, we celebrated some of our high school graduates, and I actually don't think any of them are here this week, Uh, but we celebrated Caleb uh, and George and McKenna. We had a moment up here in the service, and I surprised them by asking them uh, one thing that we could pray for them. And you may remember that George said, I pray that it would all end well. <laughs> and that was kind of a funny thing because we weren't exactly sure what that meant. Like, did that mean college end well? Like, the end of life? Like, uh, what's going on? I think he meant, like, wrap up this stage, right? That, that kind of this stage, pre-college would end well, transition well into the next stage, college. Now, I remember, maybe some of you remember, if you could put yourself back into your high school days or maybe the end of your college days, uh, you were worried sometimes. Maybe, maybe you weren't worried, but I was worried. Uh, maybe you were a little anxious and thinking about, what, the future? What am I supposed to do? Going out of high school, I was like, what degree am I supposed to choose? Because I have to choose the right one. I have to choose the one God wants me to do, and I have to have it all figured out. And that's not the case, but maybe you can relate to that. Or when you get to the end of college, and you're like, man, I got to get the right job. I have to I have to live in the right area. What am I supposed to do? These are all kind of future-oriented worries, right? What is going to happen next? What does God want me to do next? Today in Proverbs, uh, the, the book of Proverbs tells us that we don't have to worry about the details of the future because God has them taken care of. God has it all in his hands. All we're called to do is trust and obey him today. So leave tomorrow up to him and just follow God today. Follow Christ today. A wise future is not a worried future. A wise future is not a worried future, but something completely different, something much better. And so I wanted to give you my big idea. I don't always have big ideas, but this message, I have a big idea, and so it's kind of like the main theme of the sermon, and I want to give it to you up front. It's this, submit your whole life to God, and he will take care of the rest. Submit your whole life to God, and he will take care of the rest. Now, 
as we walk through life, God gives us this gift, this gift of being able to trust him, this gift of confidence in what God is doing. And that if we uh, let go of some things and focus on him, he will make it all worthwhile. The first verses of Proverbs introduces this future hope, this hope for our futures. Proverbs 3, verses 1 through 2, so you can follow along in your Bibles. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Now, if we seek to understand and know God's word, if we seek to understand God's commands, the Bible seems to be saying that God may grant us, what, a long Peaceful and prosperous life. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? The documentary we watched at our elders meeting, uh, our elders retreat uh, last night, was actually about the prosperity gospel. Which is this idea that there are those that would say, this is what it's all about. (laughs) If you do believe in God and if you have enough faith, you're going to have a long, prosperous, and healthy life. It's on you. You need to have a lot of faith and God will make it happen if you have enough faith. I don't think that's what this passage is saying at all. I think this is, this is saying that if we follow the ways of God, and what are God's ways but loving God and loving others, and we treat others with respect, we treat them well, and we follow these principles that we're learning about in the book of Proverbs, in general, we're going to receive blessings back. People are going to treat us with respect as we treat them with respect. So there are kind of what I would call natural blessings. The things will tend to turn out well. But this is not a promise. This is not a guarantee that if you do this, that A equals B. That's not how this works. So I think the, the, the promise or the, 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 the book of Proverbs we should read as principles for this life But I think there is some eternal truth in them, that there are promises for the life to come, that we may not get long life, peace, and prosperity in this life, but we are guaranteed that as we follow the ways of God, as we put our faith and trust in Christ Jesus, that we will have an eternally long and eternally prosperous and eternally good and peaceful life. And so we see whispers of eternity even in the book of Proverbs. Because God does promise he will bring peace and prosperity. Maybe not in our everyday lives, but through Christ Jesus and through through the coming, the second coming when Christ finally returns. So I I like to frame this in kind of the the short-term benefits are, uh, are results or rewards of living a life for God, but they're not guarantees. But there are long-term promises that are absolute certainties and that it will turn out fine, that God will take care of the rest. So verses 1 and 2, they really act as an introduction to verses verses 3 through 12. They're they're a little intro to five admonitions. Admonition is not a word we use a lot, but it's like speaking with authority, speaking commands, even warnings with authority. But they're just, they're strong sayings here, five admonitions on how to live. And they all fall under this umbrella concept of submitting your whole life to God and he will take care of 
the rest. And so I want to talk about these five admonitions on how to submit your whole life to God. And the first is to submit your heart, to lay down your heart, to come before God and give him your innermost core being. I want to look at verses 3 through 4 because now I'm going to focus on these, but we'll see the word heart pop up a couple times here. Verse 3, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry, wrong chapter, verse 3, let love and faithfulness never leave you, bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. So it says, like, have love and faithfulness, never let them leave you. What is it talking about? Well, because it's, it comes right after verses 1 and 2, I think it's talking about love and faithfulness to God, to God's words, to God's commands. Follow the, the teachings that you're encountering in this, this proverb, my son. Love God and love his word. Love, love the scriptures. Love, love the Bible. Love God's word. And this, this passage, Proverbs 3, verses Four and five, uh, well, Proverbs chapter three, verses three and four, they are echoing another great passage in Scripture. That means there are some similarities that I think the, 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 the author of Proverbs, Solomon, is, is picking up on. We actually go to Deuteronomy chapter six, verses four through nine. So it's on the screen. I'm going to read it. Hear, O Israel. This is called the, the Shema, which means hear. And it goes like this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Verse 3 is talking about binding them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Write God's word down deep in who you are. Now, last week we talked about loving and knowing God's word, right? So that, that's a, a pathway to, to loving and knowing God is loving and knowing his word. We talked about believing in God's word, memorizing it. So encouragement to keep memorizing God's word. Be serious about the foundation verse. Be serious about other passages. So we memorize it, we believe it, we accept it, and we submit to it. We submit our whole heart to loving God by loving his word. Simple, right? Just love the Bible. <laughs> super simple, super easy. When I talk with most people, they're like, it's super easy to read the Bible. It's a very engaging, always book. And then you get to like Leviticus and you get stuck. The Bible can actually be kind of boring, Sometimes it, I hope you guys don't like let me go after I say this, but the Bible can be kind of boring. <laughs> it's really long, and it can be hard to read. And sometimes it's in translations that you don't really understand. But I think that that there are ways that we can develop love for God's word, because even though it can be frustratingly difficult, I think we can develop a love for God's word, and as we focus on it, we will develop a love for God's word. I wanted to share a personal story with, with you uh, that you might judge me for, uh, so I'm, I'm risking that, but that's okay. Um, I, I hope maybe some parents can relate to this. We'll see. Uh, but when Elijah was born, so my son, when he was born, 
and I picked him up and I held him for the very first time, I did not feel an overwhelming sense of love. I know that some of our stories, and especially in the Hollywood movies, right, when the the father or the mother holds their baby for the first time, they're just like overcome with emotion and perhaps crying and melting. Well, that was not my experience. My experience was I was grateful. (laughs) I was kind of grateful the whole delivery thing was over. I I was happy that he was there, but I didn't necessarily feel like a deep sense of love. And I knew that I loved him, in theory. I was just getting to know him. But I thought, you know, this will come. I will develop these feelings a little bit more. And lo and behold, at about three months in, I'm just like crazy about this little kid. <laughs> I love him so much because I've been spending like your days, your nights, <laughs> all the time with him, getting to know him. Uh, Mark shared with me recently that love is spelled T-I-M-E. Love is spelled time. And so if you want to develop a love for God, you've got to spend time with him. If you, want to, if you want to develop a love for God's word, you've got to spend time in God's word. If you, want to, if you want to develop love for God and who he is, you've got to spend time praying. Now, this does not mean that we all rush out of here to do personal, private times of devotions. Hopefully, this challenges you to spend time in the word this week. But they're being intentional about coming together for corporate times to to hear God's word, to to study God's word, getting together in community groups or Christian education, whatever we're doing, focusing on God through his word. Maybe if you have a hard time doing it by yourself, find a Bible word buddy (laughs) that would like to study with you and walk with you. And together you're developing that love, that taste that passion for God's word. One of the things that gets me excited about uh, preaching and studying God's word is our community group. We haven't met, we didn't meet this week, but we, we meet quite often. It's myself and Jenny and Bernie, and we just study God's word, and we look at the passage that's coming up. And that gets me excited to hear about their, their excitement for God's word, and it kind of it plays into each other. Now, you don't have to join a community group for that to happen. You can do it one-on-one, or you can join a community group. But there, are, there are ways that we can spend that time developing that love for God and his word. So the first call is to submit your heart to God, to submit your love for God. And we do that by developing a taste for God's word. And then the, the reward is then you will find favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. That's not a guarantee But as we begin to put God's word into practice in our lives, we live for Christ. We live sacrificially. We live loving others. We're going to see rewards for that. So first, submit your hearts. And second, submit your will. So we're going to look now at verses 5 and 6. Verses 5 and 6 are pretty popular verses. Maybe you've memorized this before or heard it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Submit your will. This is going to be our next foundation verse after the one we're currently memorizing. We're going to memorize verses 5 and 6 of chapter 3. So I hope you'll look forward to memorizing them together. But what does it mean to not lean on your own understanding? 
I think it means not to separate our will and how we think we should be doing things from the way God uh, thinks that we should be doing things, from God's will. And it's not just God's will that I hear sometimes in my head, like that, that spiritual prop. You know, it's God's will clearly expressed in Scripture, right? So we're supposed to love God's word and then follow God's word, <laughs> to live it out in practice, to, to live a certain way, live according to these Scriptures, learn, live according to what we're learning, even if it's hard and even if it's difficult to do, because sometimes we encounter things in God's word that we do not like. That, that, that go against what our natural tendency is or what we want to believe. What do we do? We submit our will to God's will. We submit our desires to God's desires. And this all comes down to trust. Who do you trust? Do you trust yourself, that you really know how it is? Or do you trust God? So let this be a challenge to us as we go through our week and we're tempted to do things according to our will and our desires, but we know that there is a better pathway. Let's put, let's put God's will into practice. I don't know if you remember, but my second sermon in Proverbs, we talked about two paths. God gives us two paths, and we, 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 we have an opportunity to walk down either path. And we're talking about this in the book of Proverbs. Path one is the way of the foolish, the way of rejecting God, the way of doing it your own way. And then path number two is the way of the wise. It's the way of following after wisdom, which is God's word. It's the way of following after God himself. Now, sometimes we think that, that this means like God is going to tell us our exact path. God is going to map out our future. I don't think God does that. I don't think God maps out exactly what we're supposed to do in the future. Sometimes he does. But God rarely tells us what to do, but he always tells us how to do it. I want to say that again. I want to repeat that. God rarely tells us what to do, but he always tells us how to do it. So that's what it means to walk in the way of wisdom. It's not necessarily a what, it's a how. Let me explain that a little bit more. God rarely tells us what job we are supposed to take, but he always tells us to do a good job and that that job is to be ethical, fair, and just. Proverbs 22, verse 29 says this, Do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. God rarely tells us where to live, but he always tells us to treat our neighbors well. Proverbs 3, 29, Do not plot harm against your neighbor who lives trustfully near you. We're to love our neighbors. We're to show kindness to them. God rarely tells us who we are supposed to marry, but he does tell us the kind of person we should marry. Proverbs 12, 4. A wife of noble character is her husband's crown, but a disgraceful wife is like decay in his bones. And we will encounter more of these Proverbs and we can look outside of Proverbs to see the greater narrative of some of these things that God is telling us how to live but isn't necessarily mapping out what to do next. It's as we do these things, as we just try to submit to God's will today for our lives, that what does God do? <laughs> he takes care of the rest. <laughs> he takes care of the future. It's as we walk down the path of wisdom that we can be confident that it will end well. 
So first, submit your heart, and second, submit your will. I want to break it up today with just a brief uh, 90-second video clip of one man describing his love for God's Word in Proverbs and uh, how he has gotten to know the book of Proverbs and study it. Uh, but then he also talks about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. He's a businessman. He doesn't say what business he, he helps run and operate, but he's a businessman, so he's just trying to put Proverbs into practice in his everyday life. Are we ready for the video? One moment here. I make it a habit of reading through the book of Proverbs at least once a year. And I had someone tell me early, early on, back in the, early in my spiritual development, that book of Proverbs, you can read one chapter a day, and in 31 days, you'll read the whole book. And so I just made it a practice of doing that, and I've been reading the book of Proverbs for the last 40-some years, once a year. And uh, there is a lot of wisdom there. It's God's great self-help book. You don't really need to go anywhere else out of the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, you'll, you'll get his wisdom. Well, Proverbs 3, 5, and says, 6 says, um, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. And so as I read through the book of Proverbs, you, you'll get wisdom. You'll, you'll be reading God's direct wisdom on relationships, on finance, on um, generosity, on how to conduct a business. It's just filled to the max with wisdom, how to avoid getting into sin, uh, what kind of sins to avoid. It's, a, it's just a packed powerhouse of wisdom, and that's how I use it in my business. So I thought that was a helpful uh, little video, and uh, perhaps that'll inspire you to, to take the next... Uh, 31 days and read a chapter a day and then uh, do that uh, once a year and then you'll really dive deep into the book of Proverbs. So first submit your, uh, first submit your heart, second submit your will. And this is all falling under that big idea of submit your whole life to God and he will take care of the rest. Now third, we want to submit our perspectives. So submit your perspective, verses 7 uh, through 8. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Now, he kind of compared in the video Proverbs to a self-help book. And I think there is a lot of wisdom. I think if you do it, it will help you. That's, uh, it's, it's an everyday help book. But it doesn't necessarily do so in the way that self-help books do it today, right? What does a self-help book do? They tend to say, like, you can do it. You're great. You're fantastic. Uh, You can achieve uh, because you're amazing. And Proverbs has a different way of going about it. It does just the opposite. It says, don't think too highly of yourself. Instead, think highly of God. Think highly of Christ Jesus as we read all of Scripture There's a parallel in this verse of being wise in your own eyes. And the second half of that is kind of repeating that. It's kind of sharpening and intensifying this. And it says, fear the Lord and shun evil. In other words, being wise in your own eyes is evil. (laughs) Being wise in your own eyes is really, really bad in the book of Proverbs. In fact, it's actually worse than being a fool. Worse than being a fool. Proverbs 26, 12 says this. 
Do you see a person who is wise in their own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for them. I was sitting uh, outside the, the library in Falmouth this week, uh, and I looked over at a tree, and I saw this beautiful, red, uh, uh, vibrant, uh, full, lush tree in front of the, the Falmouth Public Library. And I wondered for a moment, like I was looking at it, I was admiring it, I was like, that is really beautiful. I wonder why I didn't notice that earlier. And then I wondered, am I really seeing the tree right? Because I'm wearing sunglasses. And I know some, sometimes sunglasses uh, have this way of, of kind of bringing out the, the, the vibrant colors. And so I took my sunglasses off, and suddenly the, the beautiful lush tree that was vivid red had become kind of a dull brown red. It was still pretty, but it had lost that, like, that vividness to it. It was distorting my, my, my lenses, my sunglasses. They were actually distorting reality. I was seeing things for better than what they actually were. And the Bible tells us, maybe you've heard this expression, rose-colored glasses, right? That's that idea that we see things for better than what they are that we can see. Well, The Bible warns us and Proverbs warns us that this is the most true, that we have like the deepest red glasses when we are looking in the mirror, when we are looking at ourselves, because we tend to distort our own self-perception. I know maybe some of you think, well, yeah, but I'm, I'm pretty hard on myself. And that may be true, but we tend to think that our, our reasons and our motivations for doing things, our actions are good when sometimes they may not be, or there's a hidden slant to them. So we sometimes have rose-colored glasses when we're looking at ourselves. And so, we need a way to change our perspective. We need brothers and sisters in Christ. We need God's word. We need the Holy Spirit. We need all of these things to come together to change our perspective, to take the, the rose-colored glasses off, to take the sunglasses off and be able to, to see reality and be able to see ourselves for who we actually are. Because I think we actually give ourselves the benefit of the doubt all the time. If we're going to confess our sins, if we're going to deal with our, our real problems, we need to see ourselves, perhaps the way that others see us, the way that God sees us. And it's as we humble ourselves and as God shapes our perspective that we're then walking through today and we can trust that God is going to take care of our future. Because he's, he's also interested in who you're becoming, <laughs> In the future, he's interested in who I am becoming in the future. He's not just interested in a, a, a future where I have it all. He's interested in a future where your character and my character has been shaped by him and his word and by those around us. So submit your whole life to God and he will take care of the rest. Submit your heart, submit your will, submit your perspective. And fourth, I love this one <laughs> submit your money. Submit your money. Verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. I'm sure those prosperity gospel preachers, those pastors that are trying to raise funds for their, their yachts and their, uh, their, uh, their, their jets, I'm sure they come to this passage and, see, and say, see, if you just give God 
your money, specifically me, your money, you'll do well. Like, sow a seed. Sow a $1,000 seed and you'll get back even more. Well, that's not what this passage is about at all. This passage is about trusting God with your money, about being generous to the Lord, but it's not about trying to pay God and get something out of him. God is not this cosmic vending machine that if we put in the certain amount of change that we then get blessing back. He does promise that we will get eternal blessing, store up your treasure in heaven, but he doesn't promise in this life. Now, I think Proverbs is brilliant here. I think it could feel like a little bit of a tangent, but I think Solomon knows what he's talking about. Because when we start to worry about the future, one of the, it's one of the big things that we worry about, our finances, our money. And when we begin to worry about that, what happens? Our generosity can dry up. We can say, Lord, you don't, I'm not going to give this, this time to you because, well, I need this money. And then pretty soon that becomes the pattern. And so Solomon, the author of Proverbs, the the father figure in this passage, he challenges us to to give to the Lord, to make sure we're giving. Uh, And there's a variety of ways we can do that. Giving to the least of these, giving to our church, giving to missionaries and missions, giving to a brother and sister in Christ who we see is in need, giving to someone who we just encounter who's in need. We want to be generous. We want to give. We don't want to cling to our money. Proverbs 11.24 says this. Do you, one person gives freely, yet gains... Uh, I forgot to, to switch it. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. So if we trust in the Scripture, so if we trust in God, he's going to take care of all of our needs. He might not take care of all of our wants, but he will take care of us, and he calls us to be generous to give joyfully, to give confidently to God. Submit your whole life to God and he will take care of the rest. Submit your heart, your will, your perspective, your money. And this is the final one. Submit your sin. Verses 11 and 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father of the son he delights in. So the Bible corrects us. That implies that sometimes we do things wrong. There's no place that we have, uh, whenever we, we do something that is against God's desire, we call that sin. And yet we have a heavenly father that wants to correct us out of our sin, that wants to draw us forth, to restore us, to love us. We're talking about the gospel connection over uh, a communion tonight. Well, here's the gospel connection in our passage This talks about a father loving his son, disciplining those he delights in. We think of that, of this passage here tonight and all these calls to submit, to submit, to submit, and we realize we can't do that perfectly. (laughs) I'm going to go out, and if I have just a list of five things I have to do, I am going to fall flat on my face. And so this passage ultimately points us to the need for a perfect son, (laughs) for a son, for a a substitute, for someone who would come along and would perfectly submit his will, his future, his heart to God that would always obey God. And so we hear about the son Christ Jesus, the son who God the Father, the heavenly Father, delighted in, who was perfect. You are my Beloved son, in, in, you, I, in you I am well pleased. 
We hear about that son through the, the greater story of the Bible. And what does he do? <laughs> Even though he was perfect, he lays down his life. He experiences the, the full punishment, not just the correction, not just the, the discipline, but the full punishment of God. And God's judgment against sin, against unrighteousness, so that you and I, if we come to Christ and we repent our sins and we come before that son, the son of God, and say, I need you, I need your life, not my own, God says, granted. And then God says, I will see you through rose-colored glasses. I will see you through glasses that have been colored through the blood of my son, Christ Jesus. I will see you differently because of what Christ has done on your behalf. I can forgive you. I can make you clean. And then what do we do? We just praise God. <laughs> we praise God that even though we can't see ourselves clearly, that God can, and he says, I love you because of what my son has done. Because my son is the perfect son. And now, you and I can begin to submit our hearts. We can begin to submit our wills. We're not going to do it perfectly. But we can begin. We can begin to walk that path of submission and submitting our whole life to God. Submit your whole life to God and he will take care of the rest. So this, uh, this sermon is not about figuring out the future. It's about trusting God with the future and following God today. <laughs> Obeying God and loving God and seeking after God right now and leaving the future up to him. Submit your heart, your, your will, your perspective, your money, your sin to God. Submit your whole life to God and he will take care of the rest. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your perfect son who laid down his life for us. Thank you that there is a son who lived out the Proverbs perfectly so that we could know you. We give thanks for Christ Jesus, Lord. And if there's anyone here that doesn't know Christ, would you just light a fire in their heart? Would you reveal yourself to them through your word, through the Holy Spirit? There are people around them that share the good news of Christ Jesus. Lord, help us submit our whole lives to you. We give uh, generously tonight of our finances. Would you take what we give and multiply it and use it for your kingdom so that other people might know about you, might come to trust you as their Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.